Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Once again, we are here with Harvey Wasserman, an American journalist, author, democracy activist. And in these days, he is fighting to make sure that the suppression that's occurring throughout the country is mitigated. Harvey Wasserman, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm great, Edgardo. It's really great to be on with you. Well, it's always great having you. First of all, uh, Greg, tell us, you're also with KPFA in... in KPFK in Los Angeles. I've got uh, my show is California Zootopia. Um, and uh, we are really down to the wire. This is the week that we all go crazy and get really exhausted, Egberto, because it's never been more tense. I want this folks is- to know about your website also, Softopia. Yeah. Let's fill it out for us. Okay, so um, Solartopia.org is my personal website. It has all my books, including uh, my upcoming um, uh, People's Spiral of U.S. History. Now, this is a history of the United States that I have finished as of the summer, but then I realized I can't really put it out until <laughs> I we wonder why. a result of... So I have it now. If anybody wants to write me at Solartopia at Gmail, S-O-L-A-R-T-O-P-I-A at gmail.com, I will send you a free PDF of this history book as it goes to... The, the ending is about Bernie and how great it looks and that, the, you know, the young millennials are going to remake the world. But then I said, God, what happens in the election? So I am hoping for a happy ending, folks. <laughs> and we have to make a happy ending happen with this election. I, I'm saying this is the most important election in human history since Germany 1933. You know, you can find American elections that were important, but none on a world scale like this one. Well, you know, um, let me tell you, I am actually speaking it out. We, we, we need to let people understand that we expect victory because we are going to work towards victory. Absolutely. Uh, and I don't, I, want, I don't want the wrong side to think that they have the possibility of victory. So I, I believe I'm a positive thinker and, and not only a positive thinker, but doer. But Harvey, there's a lot happening which you are working on with respect to voter suppression. And I think it's important, especially six days before the election and right while people are early voting, that we talk about that and you give people some direction. Well, what's happening is that the Republicans are doing everything in their power to suppress the vote. Um, um, and, you know, we can go through a, a litany, but we, we know the general picture. And now they have a six to three majority on the Supreme Court. So uh, for, for Donald Trump, safe harbor, uh, which is a phrase in one of the many laws having to do with elections and, and the election of the Electoral College, is to get this election somehow to the Supreme Court. And the only uh, defense we have is to have such an overwhelmingly large vote that uh, it becomes politically impossible for them to do that. We saw it in 2008 and 2012 with Obama, where the margins of victory were too high and there were too many states for them to flip, to flip over the Electoral College. So we are all deeply heartened by the immense turnouts uh, for early voting and apparently for vote by mail that are going on all over the country especially the um, um, really wave of, of millennials and uh, the tip of the Generation Z, which is just becoming uh, eligible to vote. These young people, there's uh, 85 million millennials. I mean, it's the biggest uh, generational hump in world history. 
even bigger than the baby boom. Imagine that, uh, yes. Yeah, 76 million. So um, uh, this is is what we're all pinning our hopes on. Now, everywhere we go, from Alabama to Pennsylvania to um, Michigan, uh, the the, um, forces that be are trying to suppress uh, not only the turnout, but also the vote count. And every dirty trick that these guys can play, they, they are playing. And, and that's what we have to counter, counter. We have armies of lawyers out there. Now, the NAACP in North Carolina, for example, is putting lawyers into every precinct that they can. We hope that's going on all over the country. We don't really have a sense of what the Democrats are doing, uh, but thankfully people are not waiting for the Democrats. They're going out and uh, doing everything they can as, independ- as individuals to make sure that this thing doesn't get away from us. Now you have a group, uh, the Emergency Election. Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition, or as someone has called it, GREEP. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> our website is grassroots EP, G-R-A-S-S-R-O-O-T-S-E-P for electionprotection.org. And uh, we, we post Every article we can get, we have uh, a Zoom. We've been having Zoom calls every Monday, um, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We'll continue this after the election. We have had 21, 22 rather, um, uh, emergency election protection meetings with between 50 and 100 people, uh, 90 minutes each. So we've spent more than 30 hours talking about nothing but what is being done to steal this election and how to prevent it from happening. Now, you said something interesting. You said that you're putting people in as many precincts as you can. And I imagine you're, you're selecting those precincts in areas where you think there could be problems, correct? Yes. Um, well, and especially uh, heavily populated areas and, of course, swing state areas. These are specifically in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas now, Arizona, and even Iowa. Uh, those are all states that could go one way or another. Now, as it turns out, the Republicans were spending some money uh, to uh, install some goons around the country. Uh, what's the state of that? Well, what's happening, we ha- are having some reports. But um, it, when this uh, was set up earlier in the year, it was assumed that, that everybody would be coming out you know, on November 3rd to vote, which has been the traditional way to do it in America, but because of the COVID, um, there's been a massive switch to vote by mail and to early voting. So uh, the whatever um, disarray the right wing was hoping to um, impose with their clan style militias turning up at the polls, it's been diffused because, you know, there hasn't been the uh, centralized voting that, that uh, they were expecting. And, uh, and so we do expect a really massive ugliness. Um, and we have had a few instances in, in Alexandria, Virginia, for example, which is a blue uh, area. The, um, there was a, a, a batch of uh, Trumpites who turned up not wearing masks, you know, weaponizing the virus, blocking the sidewalk, yelling and screaming. We've seen, I saw a report, you know, people are around the block in these lines and uh, the, uh, uh, there was a report that there was a caravan that was circling the box, yelling at people in the lines in Philadelphia. Um, we expect uh, election day to be pretty ugly, 
and we're asking people, even over the weekend, we're asking people to turn out to nonviolently protect the people who are standing in line. That, so, that is, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, so, you know, so far it's not been as bad as we, we feared. Um, my understanding is uh, there's more than 60 million people have already voted, uh, which is gargantuan. over 70 now, my brother, over yes. 70. So, you know, this is happening. Um, and uh, this is a movement, an election protection movement, which has become a significant player. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, Bob Fetrakis and I, Bob Fetrakis is a political science PhD who has a law degree and has been doing election protection since El Salvador in the 1980s, for God's sakes. When we were living in Columbus, Ohio, and we were reporting on the theft of the uh, presidential election in Ohio in 2004, we were just, you know, blown off as uh, conspiracy theorists. And, and uh, you know, I think people um, on the coasts figured if we lived in Ohio, how, how smart could we be? But, you know, <laughs> Uh, uh, finally, all these years later, after 2016 and the, the horrors of four years of Donald Trump, people have taken us seriously. Well, you know, I, I think with the, what's going on with the virus completely exploding in this last week, I think that is going to be a lot of tip. That's going to be the tipping point for a lot of Republicans who are culturally Republicans and simply stick with Donald Trump because, well, he's a Republican and I just can't pull the lever for a Democrat. Yeah, you hear and you read a lot of traditional Republicans can't stomach Donald Trump. I heard a long interview with a woman on NPR who had voted for Trump, lifelong Republican, who had voted for Trump uh, in 2016 and just could not believe that what she had seen for the last four years and said for the first time in her life, she voted a straight blue ticket. So, you know, we'll see. The question is, there are issues in virtually every state. Um, uh, of, of, of repression, of uh, injecting chaos um, on purpose. Um, uh, but we do have, uh, Egberto, and this is important to understand, this is a major, a monumental turning point uh, in elections in America for a number of reasons. Number one, it's the first one um, uh, since way back when uh, that is being um, um, conducted almost entirely on paper. Uh, we had a spell um, from 2002-2004 where uh, voting was done on electronic touchscreens. And those screens, were, those machines were perfectly designed to steal elections. We called it touch and pray. You know, you would go in, you'd hit a button, and, and uh, God knows what would happen. Uh, this year, because of the COVID and because of vote by mail, uh, a very large majority of the ballots will be cast on paper. And that, that means that we actually have paper to hold on a to. A paper trail. Harvey, you know, I have been completely misinformed, not misinformed, I guess I misinformed myself because I'm in a state where electronic voting is is very popular. It's uh, in my area, it's the thing that's done the most without a paper trail. And uh, so in discussing with people, I've, that's always been my concern. Can these votes be stolen? It's, it's really re uh, refreshing to hear that you say most of our ballots now will be paper in this particular election because it minimizes the possibility of, well, it minimizes uh, messing with the vote, if you will. Yes, well, it can, they can be messed with. I mean, in the old days, everybody voted on paper. That's all we had. And uh, somehow a lot of the ballots wound up in rivers and in hotels. <laughs> 
Oh, wait a minute. You're making you're 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 making Trump sound sane now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So no, but Trump is that's why Trump hates vote by mail. There are a number of reasons. First of all, it sounds easy to steal in the vote count. And as we say, if if you're putting your vote in the mail, you're not being um um uh vulnerable to to, to the militias. Right. So uh, you know, you're a moving target, finally, thank God. So uh, uh, that's a big deal. And the, also the, the other thing is that it's a, a massive generational changeover, yes. like I said, including, by the way, the poll workers. Poll workers historically have been the elders, elder people, you know, because it's a day and you, right. out, you get paid. And, uh, but because of the COVID, they didn't, they, you know, clearly they didn't come out. And there was a, a moment, you know, a few weeks ago where suddenly people realized that the polls are going to be worked by millennials. And in some cases, actually, uh, in most cases, the law is to be a poll worker, you have to be a resident of that precinct. But you don't have to be actually old enough to vote. And so we're having a lot of uh, 15, 16, 17-year-olds turning up to vote, Generation Zs. I saw one case where there's such a demand, I mean, uh, such a supply, so many kids who want to, you know, it's good money, actually. Yeah. So many kids want to come in and vote that they that they set a minimum grade point. You have to have like a, a 3.0 to work the, work the polls, which is, you know, an incentive for kids right. for grades. So this is, a, this is a big deal. And of course, we also have a woman of color. And I think that the woman, that, that, that Kamala Harris uh, is actually of the four, you know, of Trump, Pence, Biden, and Kamala, she's the one this election is really about. Because we have a massive, a huge shift in um, in the demographic nature of uh, the electorate, and uh, some have called it for Trump's people, it's a demographic death march. Right. Of all the places, you're feeling it most in Texas. Yes. Because you have this giant shift from white men, uh, represented by Donald Trump, who is the ultimate white misogynist, racist you know, antique uh, to a very diverse country. Right. And where by 2050 or even earlier, the majority of the country, the majority of the country will be not be white men uh, or white or even white. And that, that you know, we've already got California, uh, uh, New Mexico, Florida, states are really, and Georgia, that's what states are flipping over demographically. And so one of the reasons I think that the Trump people are so ferocious is that they're it's it's white elderly older white men who cannot uh, uh, face, can't face the reality of what's yeah. happened to the demographics of our country. You they're, know, they're pushing the stream with their desperate hands there. Sadly. What they don't realize is there's nothing wrong with that, that that nobody is a real majority that we all have. I mean, it is I, I am still trying to figure the pathology of thinking that having a society that looks like the world somehow is <laughs> a bad thing. I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with my thinking process. You know, what, what it is, is that uh, the United States uh, uh, was formed, you know, overrunning the indigenous. Uh, the United States was formed by white Christians calling themselves Christian. I mean, I, right. I think Jesus saw the state of what calls itself modern Christianity pull his hair out 
but you know, um, uh, they they have run America, the United States of America, uh, since this, the the 1600s, and they, uh, with the formation of slavery, they have assumed a, a, a position of domination. You have to understand, Egberto, that the 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 covenant with the devil that was made in the United States with slavery uh, was actually not about economics. It was about power. Uh, in the 1680s, there was a rebellion in Virginia. It was called Bacon's Rebellion. I know this sounds deep in the weeds, but it's very clear the reality. And uh, most of the labor force in America, in Virginia, uh, where they were growing uh, you know, tobacco um, on a plantation system, was uh, uh, not, it was not slave labor, it was indentured servitude. Mm -hmm. And you had blacks and whites uh, working side by side. And racism was not a thing. There's a wonderful book by Lerone Bennett about this. Um, blacks and whites fraternized, they worked together, they actually intermarried, there were you know, a lot of mixed race children. It did not occur. I, I know this is hard to believe, but it did not really occur to people to be racist. Um, and then suddenly this rebellion, the plantation owners realized that they could not afford to have a labor force where blacks and whites could unite. This happened in Bacon's Rebellion. The, uh, uh, there was an upheaval. It was not a great thing. They were demanding more land be taken from the Indians, but nonetheless, uh, the blacks and the whites together overtook the government of Virginia. They burned Jamestown to the ground. They forced the governor to flee. And so the, the, the big guys realized that the one way they could protect themselves was to not, it's, it was not a class system, it was a caste system. Right, right. And that with slavery, they made black people uh, subhuman. They gave them the status of, of non-humans so that the white people could feel superior. And that has been with us since the 1680s. You know, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And yeah, no. And, and so uh, that's where ra the racism uh, is so deeply ingrained in America came about. You know, I've been talking about that without knowing the real history for a long time. I, I, I got all of that from inference. You're giving it from a historical perspective. I'm glad for that. I, I trust that all of that is in your new book. Yes, the people's spiral of U.S. history. And um, it, it really, you even, it even quotes Lyndon Johnson as saying, basically, if you give a white man the feeling he's superior to a black man, he'll do anything for you. So no matter how bad off a white man might be, he's still not black. And that was the whole basis uh, of the racism in America. There's a lot of argument about whether slavery was actually uh, an efficient system. You can make a case that it was a money loser and that, in, in, that indentured servitude was actually more efficient. Uh, let, me, let me stop you right there, Harvey, because what you just said, you corroborated exactly what I've been telling my audience for a long time. And that is uh, that the capitalism as we practice it today is just an antiseptic form of slavery that works a lot better. The slave had to be taken care of. The slave had to be fed. The slave had to be kept alive. The slave had to be insured. You work under capitalism when you're no longer of use to folks, throw your way and get the next. Exactly. And, um, you know, the Civil War, which was definitely about slavery, 
was also about capitalism. Mm -hmm. And the, the northerners, the northern industrialists, did not want the West to, to have slave labor. They wanted a free market in labor. Of course, you know, the West also, they grew corn and wheat. You don't really grow yeah. corn and wheat with slave labor. I mean, uh, the, the reason the slavery uh, was used in the, in the South was because tobacco and cotton, uh, as well as indigo and rice, those were all, you know, could labor be intensive. Labor. Yeah. But uh, once they invented the reaper uh, and some other of the big tools, uh, uh, corn uh, and, and soy and all the other things, and well, basically beef, uh, you don't you don't do beef with slave labor, but uh, you know we're just coming out of it. And one of the significant um, reasons that the millennial changeover is so significant is that we baby boomers we we faced two monumental uh, institutions that needed revolution, and number one was the culture uh, involving racism, misogyny, um, um, sexual uptightness, all those things that came with the 19 into the 1950s and number two was the empire and um as a boomer i i think we succeeded in revolutionizing the culture i mean god knows it's a long way to go uh, but the millennials our children have grown up really not entirely but pretty free of racism and misogyny and um, prejudice against lgbtq you know, drug, sex, rock and roll, marijuana is legal now, thank God. You know, uh, I mean, I wrote one of the first editorials at the University of Michigan uh, on the student paper, if you can imagine this. I was the editorial director and one day I didn't have anything else to write about. So I went in and I wrote an editorial for legalizing pot, which I had never smoked. And it sounds today like, oh, who am But back then, it was global news. Right. Hey, this student at Michigan is advocating legal marijuana. It was in January of 1967, for God's sakes, 53 years ago, and people went crazy. I was on all these TV shows. It was a giant issue, you know, and I had never smoked pot at the time. But now, you know, it's legal in, in, all over the country, and so much else has changed. But what we're up against now is the empire. And, now, Harvey... Know, Yes. Uh, we're coming up on time. So why don't you t add, answer me what you would have wished I asked you about voter suppression or whatever that I didn't? Well, listen, um, Egberto, you, you asked me what needed to be asked, which what's happening with this election. We know that Donald Trump has a choice between the White House and the big house. <laughs> and he has got to stay in power or he's going to go to prison or have to leave the country, as he himself said. So every dirty trick that can ever be pushed to try and prevent people from voting, they are doing it. And to prevent the vote counts from votes, votes from being counted. And so, you know, from fake, here in California, they, they put up fake drop boxes. I heard that. Boxes. I saw that. Yes. Uh, some, uh, some drop boxes have caught, caught on fire in Texas. Yes. Uh, in Ohio, they're allowing one drop box per county. So you can have a small rural county where, you know, you got uh, a few hundred people with a drop box. And then in, in Houston and Dallas and, and Austin, you know, there's one drop box in the whole county. Um, and, you know, every day in Alabama, uh, they, they required uh, uh, sheets, uh, 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 witness sheets, and then suddenly they didn't. And uh, there's signature issues there. Uh, every issue that you could imagine they want people to be watched. Uh, while the votes are being counted, 
they're spreading every misinformation that can be spread. Now, we saw this in Ohio 2004 and wrote a book about it. And so uh, Bob Fetrakis and I said, none of this is unfamiliar. But uh, the question you've asked, what is being done to suppress the vote? Every, the answer is everything. And, um, and we are, we got to be prepared. And um, all the, all the, the only protection we have is a vote count, a vote to turn out that's too big to turn away. Harvey Wasserman, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right again. You always have informative uh, stuff for us, so I really appreciate that. You have a wonderful rest of your day. You're the greatest, Alberto. Thank you so much. Thank you. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.